Our first reading today is taken from the letter to the Romans, chapter 8. Listen now to God's word to us from Holy Scripture. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his Spirit that dwells in you. Our second reading is from Ezekiel, chapter 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. 
Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. This week, I read a story from Time magazine. Bill Kochevar is 56 years old. Eight years ago, he was injured in a bicycling accident that paralyzed him completely from the shoulders down. He's not been able to move his arms or his legs for all this time. Ironically, Bill was riding in a charity event at the time to raise money for multiple sclerosis, and he failed to see that a mail truck had stopped in front of him. When he crashed into the truck, he injured his spine in a devastating way that left him a quadriplegic. Imagine this, an active man riding to raise money for others with one mistake destroys the life that he knew. No one would blame Bill Kochevar for feeling hopeless about the future. It would seem that nothing short of a miracle could change his life. It must have seemed to him that his bones were as useless as the dry bones in the valley of Ezekiel's vision. I would not be surprised if he felt like the Israelites who said that they were cut off completely. Ezekiel is a puzzling book. Ezekiel was a prophet of God during the period of the Babylonian exile. The first wave of Israelites was exiled from Jerusalem and taken to Babylon in 597 BCE. And a second group was exiled in 586 when their beloved Jerusalem was destroyed. Ezekiel left with the first wave, along with others of high standing in Jerusalem. He had been a priest in the temple in Jerusalem, and his book contains lament for the loss of Israel's homeland, condemnation for the people of Israel for their role in their own exile because they worshipped other gods. And lastly, it contains prophecy about the restoration of their homeland when all will turn back to the ways of God. Today's scripture tells of this restoration. The text, this gripping story of bones coming back to life, is a metaphor. Michael Coogan describes Ezekiel's writings as almost surreal. And as soon as I read that, I thought of Salvador Dali's paintings, many of whose works contain religious themes. 
Many of Dali's works show distorted images of reality that challenge us to think about the way that we view the world. Ezekiel's vision certainly offers an alternative reality where a valley of dry bones can be brought back to life. Through the word of God spoken in prophecy by the mortal of the story, the bones are knit back together, muscles and flesh grow on the bones, breath enters the body once again, and they become a vast multitude, the whole house of Israel. Now the Israelites were utterly devastated. They'd been driven from their homeland into Babylon and made into slaves there. Judah was occupied by hostile forces and after a short time, Jerusalem was destroyed along with the splendid and much loved Temple of Solomon. It must have been difficult to hold on to hope for the future in these terrible circumstances of exile. Ezekiel himself must have suffered terribly too. He was a priest of the temple, one of the elite members of Jewish society, so he had lost much when he was exiled. But comforted and inspired by God, Ezekiel is able to carry on preaching and writing of God's anger with God's people for their faithlessness, then envisioning and prophesying the restoration of the land when the people would turn their hearts once again to God. Now the vision couldn't be any more dramatic, could it? A whole valley filled with dry bones, suggesting some awful carnage in the past. I see images from the Holocaust or more recent stories of mass graves in war-torn countries. These are bones, though, not corpses, suggesting that the horror stretches way back into the past, generation upon generation. Then the Lord asked that essential question of Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel doesn't dare to predict, but says, only the Lord knows. Then God tells Ezekiel to prophesy. Ezekiel is to speak out loud to a valley full of dry bones to tell them of the goodness of God who will breathe life back into them and raise them from the dead. Prophecy is so important in the Bible, both in the Old and New Testaments. It is vital in the life of Jesus Christ, who we learn over and over has come to fulfill the prophecies of old. I used to think that prophecy was simply a foretelling of the future, and it certainly has that element to it, but it is so much more so much more. When God tells Ezekiel, the mortal, to prophesy to these dry bones, he is saying, give them hope. Now twice in this passage, 
And many times throughout the book of Ezekiel, God calls the prophet mortal. Ezekiel clearly claims no divine powers for himself. He does not flinch at God calling him mortal, this name that defines him as a creature of the earth, an ordinary human being with no special powers of his own to perform miracles. And this is precisely the point. Without God, we are all mere mortals. It is not through our own power that we can change lives and restore hope. It is only with the voice of God speaking through us that we can heal, we can lift burdens, we can restore hope. For in their hopelessness, it is as if the whole nation of Israel is dead. As if they are nothing but a graveyard full of bones, no life, no hope, no joy, no purpose. We are cut off completely. They feel as if they have no connection with God or with their lost homeland. Then God speaks through Ezekiel. God tells him, the people are so devastated they feel they are dead. Indeed, they are spiritually dead. But, God says, through speaking my word to them, you can give them the hope that will in enable them to go on living in the most dire of circumstances. Their lives are dry and broken and meaningless. But, says the Lord to the people, you shall live. And through the power of God, spoken by Ezekiel, they all come rattling back to life. Now surely this story is a metaphor for us during Lent too. The journey with our Lord to Jerusalem is filled with terror and despair hopelessness, as the realization dawns on Jesus' followers, followers that when he predicts his suffering and death, he is speaking the truth, however much they may be in denial about the need for Jesus' death. The journey to the cross is a long and cruel one, surely leaving his followers at times with little hope. But the cross, they find out, is not a symbol of hopelessness, but a symbol of love and redemption. In their grief and shock over Christ's death, do the disciples at some point remember that Jesus told them that he would rise again? And had they not witnessed themselves the breathing of life back into the lifeless body of Lazarus? After three unbearable days after Christ's death on the cross, their hope is restored, and they are able, through Christ's resurrection, to find again new purpose and hope for the future, building the early Christian church together, connected once again in the hope of Christ. Christ prophesied 
his own resurrection to give hope. He prophesied eternal and abundant life in Jesus Christ to give us hope. Ezekiel prophesied with the word of God to encourage and restore hope to the captive people of Israel that they would once again be free to live in their own land and worship God again in a restored temple. Prophecy speaks to people's hearts. It restores faith in life itself. It gives people the strength to go on when the times seem hopeless. I told you at the beginning of this sermon about Bill Kochevar, who was paralyzed in a bicycling accident. His situation seemed pretty hopeless. A miracle of science has now given Bill back the use of his arms and his hands. In experimental treatments that Bill had faith would work for him, scientists have found a way to map Bill's brain and implant electrodes that allow him now to simply think his arm into motion. He's now able to lift by himself his own hand and arm. He can feed himself and Coolest of all, he claims, he can scratch his own nose. It's almost as if the useless bones of Ezekiel's vision have been fused back together for Bill Kochevar. His newfound abilities offer hope for the future, not only for him, but for quadriplegics everywhere. Bill rightly trusted the prophetic imaginings of brilliant scientists and doctors who believed, who had faith that they could restore life to his limbs. Prophetic words come in many forms. There are the prophetic words of gifted speakers and leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King who inspired hope and life in a time of deep discouragement and spoke God's truth to a nation in conflict over civil rights. Dr. King prophesied the coming of equality and opportunity for African-American people, a prophetic message that continues to inspire long after his death. And then there are small voices of prophecy that bring life back to people in despair. I have told you before, I think, that addiction and alcoholism have touched my family. I'm no stranger to 12-step programs and have spent many helpful hours at Al-Anon groups for family members of alcoholics. When a caring Al-Anon group member, whose last name you will never know, hugs you in your grief and worry and tells you that all will be well. That's the quiet but real prophetic voice of God, speaking hope in a time of despair and hopelessness. Likewise, when someone, you perhaps, comforts and counsels a bereaved friend, offering companionship 
and courage for the morning after the darkest of nights. That too is a voice of prophetic hope. As Christians, we live in a world of many needs. But as Christians, we live in hope, maintaining hope in the coming of the kingdom of God is a fundamental of our faith. That hope is given to us freely by God and is firmly rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of the saving death of Christ, we have life and we have hope of life eternal. Even though at times we may feel as spiritually dry as the bones of the Israelites, the life-giving word of God re-enlivens and restores our hope. So let us prophesy that word to the world so that all may share in that eternal hope.